We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Another week gone by, another packed show of combat sports. Today, we have to talk about top rank and some of the changes they've had to make due to COVID-19, coronavirus, and fighters testing positive for that. We have to talk about Dana White and one week away from Fight Island, Two which I know... Two weeks, two weeks. I threw me two weeks away. They take one week off. Excuse me for uh, for the July, but this is the last fight weekend before they go to the island, and of course we'll preview those Vegas fights as well. But first, Dre, plenty of other stuff for us to dive into on this show. <laughs> Let's see. I think I want to start with the versus battle between Fab and Jada. Because we talked about it a little bit in our group chat. It's been a couple of weeks since we've talked about the versus battles. You're like, who's next? What's left? This one is going to be more chummy like others we've seen. Because obviously they just dropped a double album. Or a duet album? How do you classify this? I don't know. They both partnered for an album last year. So it's going to be chummy. But still their catalogs are going to be speaking. And people are going to be grading who wins each round. 
I don't think Fab is getting washed in this. I think 20 songs deep, the catalog holds up, and he might even squeak by a win on Jada. I don't see him winning. I Jada's got too much, man. Between the lock shit and the his lock shit is three shit. albums. I mean, I I guess you got Rough Riders, like the compilations. I mean, dude, you have the Rough Rider compilations. You got the lock shit. You got all of his guest spots that he set on fire, and there are a lot of those. And then you got obviously solo shit. Then you got like just he's got joints. I look. Fab is cool. Fab can play this a certain way with like the mixtape joints and like some R&B joints. It really depends on the crowd. But if it's like a Timberland wearing crowd, Fab's gonna get washed. <laughs> like yeah, if it's Fab not, if it's like not like breathe some yeah. shit from his first album and that's about it. Dude, it, it gets like I said, like we just talked about in the group chat. Like you play Kiss of Death, or you play his verse from Blackout, which he went berserk on, or you play. Um, we gonna make it, obviously, because that's gotta get yep. played. Uh, I mean, there's "Fuck You," the like the Locks Rough Riders album. There's 24 Hours to Live. There's uh, yeah. "Why," wow. like you know wow. what I'm saying. Wow. There's, yeah, 24 there's, Hours to Live verse is fucking crazy. That's all, like man. Look, Ooh, that's bottom that's line tough. is, Jade is a better rapper. Period. Jade is just he's a little I bit agree. more diverse. I think Fab has always been dope, but Fab is very one-dimensional. I guess I could say. Um, Some of my favorite Fab songs are the non-girl Fab songs. See, like but he, he he does hit him every album. He hits people with that girl track. Yeah, it's just like breathe is a banger, right? But it's like but Jada's guy. I mean the the Benjamins remix. I mean just the Benjamins. What am I talking about? Money, power, respect. I mean this is this is years and years. Put your hands up. Uh, you gotta play the, the joint with Bubba Sparks. Yeah, fire. like. Jada's got so much heat. And I think if it was a real battle and, you know, and Jada didn't pull a Nelly where he just kind of sabotages his own shit, I think Jada would wash him. But in a friendly battle where they're just kind of probably like be high-fiving each other, there's a way Fab could play it that can make it competitive. And if enough, you know, people that just listen to the radio come around, Fab could keep it competitive. But like I said, if these if cats show up here wearing dirty Tims and throwbacks, it's over yeah if jada drops the mercy verse it's a wrap though so with the man. jean jacket with the sleeves cut like Good jada's Lord, been on some man. joints like jada the, the features catalog is deep like luda is there's, the same way the feature catalog is deep yeah there's a um there's an argument that can be made that jada kiss along with people like feral Monch, who i always say this are extraordinarily underrated like, when we talk about greatest rapper all the time, nobody ever really talks about Jada Kiss. But if you really look deep into the catalog, I don't. I still don't think he's like a goat. But I think he's severely underrated um, because he's he's been here for a long time and he never he never pulls some bullshit out. Like he's never rhyming some bullshit. He's nah. always coming. And like he he shows up to outshine everybody, including his own crew. Because, like, he, he puts them through the wrench cycle a lot of times. Even though Styles P is, uh, always has been able to hang with him, and Sheik, I don't know what happened. But Jada? <laughs> Jada's always been the one catching bodies. Always. No love for Sheik. Man, it, uh, you know what? There was a time where I thought she, when the locks first came out on Bad Boy that I thought Sheik was, like, super dope. And then, you know, then I bought the album. 
And I think that's where it has all for the love, which was Jada's solo joint. And I was like, oh, my God, fuck it. This guy's the best. I used to think that that uh, Styles uh, was the weak one. And oh, then nah. I always I thought know. Styles was better than Jada for a while. I, see, I thought Styles got better after the after they left Bad Boy. I thought Styles like really hit his stride because oh, it was all gutter. He's like a gutter yeah. MC. <laughs> like Jada's and like Sheik fit more with the Bad Boy mold in some strange way. Like you go back through the that, that first album, it's like yeah. Sheik fit, and then like as it got more gutter for whatever reason, Jada and Styles just took off, and Sheik just kind of was dormant. Like he didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, I. <sighs> I agree. Sheik, Sheik's not a Janetti, but necessarily you don't want to be the Sheik Luch or your crew either. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to say he's the Marty Janetti uh, of the locks. Um, yeah, you might be right. Fab, Fab can hang because of the 20-song format. But we've seen that in a lot of these battles. You can hang because of the format of the battle. Nelly, he pushed it towards the end where you're like, oh, Jagged Edge, they were struggling. They were struggling. playing the same, the remix of the same track to get to 20. Struggling. <laughs> I think Fab can, can make it to 20 and, and just at least save face. Maybe he won't win, depending on, like, song selection. But a lot of people will give him a lot of those, you know, girl-type bangers that he had. But Jada does have so much shit you can throw out there. It's, Man. Like again, you he got choice with big. <laughs> like, come on, man, he's got choice with big. Got choice with big, no made up shit. Oh, if he plays the diss track, if he plays the the Beanie Siegel diss, ooh. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, Fab was always dope. Like with Clue tapes and Desert Storm mixtapes and the Soul tape, and those are all dope. But nah. Um, yeah, I've always been very partial to Jada, even though I haven't been into like his old stuff as much as I used to. I still think it's dope, but yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not seeing this being ultra competitive. Like I said though, there's there's a way like Jada would kind of have to shoot himself in the foot to lose this battle. Yeah, to let Fab hang around, Jada would have to play a lot of the puff stuff. Yeah, and I, I don't think he'll do that. I don't I think, think so either. Dog, Jada could or, win. Or he would play a lot of the new shit, which also probably isn't the way to go. No, it's not. Jada could win if he plays the Hot 97 interview <laughs> where he talks about throwing a fridge on fuck. <laughs> Yo, he was dead ass serious about that. That was one of my favorite then, interviews of all time. Let's be clear. Jada Kiss may not be the GOAT rapper, right? Like, he's underrated, like you said. He is the greatest of all time at hip-hop exaggerations. Yeah. Eh. yeah he's he said, I got the Ashton Vanguish, the color of dandruff. What? He said his bathtub lift up, his walls do it 360. Yeah, I tried to Are visualize you Batman? that shit. Are you Batman? Okay, so my favorite thing about MCs for my entire life, the first time I heard Fife Dog say, bust a nut inside your eye and show you where I come from, I said, I tried to picture it as a kid, and I was like, yo, so my whole life has been dedicated to picturing like punchlines and metaphors in real life. And that's how I gauge how dope certain shit is. So when he said that shit, my walls do a 360, I was befuddled. I was like, yo, how do you do this? Like those kind of exaggerations are nuts. That's why I was always so big on cannabis. Because cannabis, you say some wild fucking shit. Strip you naked and make you hug a, cas a cactus? Who does this? Like this is messed up. Jada is on that level. 
Fabulous isn't quite on that level. He has some good punchlines here and there, but Jada says some really wild, outlandish shit, and you're just like, wow. Yeah. Yo, Jada said it takes so long to get to his front yard once he missed probation. Yeah, like, come it's on, like, man. damn. Like, the crib is that big. His exaggeration game is, is top notch. Top notch. <laughs> yeah, those. That's gonna be the best part of this battle. Is just hearing all the classic Jada lines um, throughout the whole thing. The other thing I want to talk about, of course, Twitter. I, this has been the constant in our like Twitter recaps in the beginning of shows. Is we're gonna have to talk about some social issue, and a lot of the times we've been talking about it is we're talking about a lot of dumb shit that should just be common sense. Alas, we are here talking about Bubba Wallace and them finding a noose in his garage before the race. If you guys don't know, Bubba Wallace is the only black NASCAR driver on the circuit. So he comes out, he stands with Black Lives Matter. It's amazing that his push made NASCAR along with sponsorships and just the course of the world and how it's going made nascar change their stance ban the confederate flag from events but as we've seen racist shall be racist and they flew the confederate flag above the track okay that's how you want to waste your money and but then wallace gets his garage there's a noose in there nascar does this investigation fbi comes in they find out that the noose had been there not just for bubba wallace it was a coincidence that he got that garage the only one with a noose, and that the noose had been there for almost a year, at least. They can date it back. No one put it in there. No harm, no foul. And people are mad, mad that Bubba Wallace got upset that there was a noose in his fucking garage. And they're calling him, uh, what, Jesse Smollett or whatever. Yeah. Where do you want to start with this? Because I got a lot to say. Let, let's start with white people love finding that one needle in a haystack to prove that they're not racist all right we can start there (laughs) so (laughs) if anybody's gonna sit there and try to tell me that nascar has been welcoming to african-americans and minorities i'm gonna tell you to get the fuck out of here and stop listening to this podcast right now this is not true And if anybody's going to sit there and tell me that Bubba overreacted to when somebody found this noose in his garage, you can also get the fuck out of here. Because with everything that's going on in this country, you should never celebrate as a white person that racism might not have happened. You want to know why? Because you're behind a thousand to nothing in this fucking race. You have fucked up so many times in this country to say, oh, yeah, we got one right. Did you? Which leads me to my next thing. Did you get this one right? Because, you know, there was this thing called like Pro that, that tapped Martin Luther King and Mar- uh, Malcolm X's phones plotted to get them out of here led by the FBI and J. Edgar Hoover why the fuck would I ever trust the FBI to say something is racist 
That's fair. Like, this is the crazy thing for me because they're like, oh, the FBI said it. That's like the cops saying all the time that Breonna Taylor didn't get, like, when when Breonna Taylor got shot, the cops found her mom and asked her mom if she had any fucking enemies. Do you know how disingenuous that is after you just shot her dead? So excuse me if I can't trust an FBI that wanted to, that called the Black Panther Party a terrorist group, did everything in their power to dismantle them and any black power structure in America, and now you're going to tell me I should listen to the FBI when they deem something is not racist? Kel, you did you see the noose in the garage? Did you see the picture? Those pictures came out today, and... They painted the when they said like okay no one put the noose in there, they painted it as something that was just like to pull the garage down right. They're like every garage has these ropes that you pull, it closed and shut with. I was like okay that's an explanation, but people were clear and like yo the FBI in their statement said that it was a noose, just no one placed it there. It's like all right, but then this picture comes out today and I was like no, that is a fucking noose like. If it wasn't placed there specifically for him, why the hell was it placed there at all? That's like me walking to work, seeing a noose, getting offended, and be like, well, we didn't put it here for you. There's always a noose around. Oh, so you're telling me it's just always racism? Like, so you just have a racist symbol that you just never care to take down until a black man sees it. That means a million white people walked past this noose and was like, hey, that's a mighty fine noose right there. What amazing decor. The feng shui of this room is incredible because of that their noose. But a black person comes around, you're like, oh, now you're upset. No, this noose wasn't for you. I don't give a fuck who that noose was there for. The fact that it was there is a problem entirely. Kill. I've seen garage pulls in my life. I've never seen one shaped like a noose. But for the sake of the <laughs> argument. Let's just say that this was a garage pull. For me, the only way the garage is getting pulled is if that noose is wrapped around the neck of a black man and that man is weighing down the garage door. That's how it's getting pulled. But for the sake of argument, let's just say it was a garage pull. Now, we know what a noose means in America. Anybody who doesn't is acting stupid because there's no way you don't know what a noose means in America. Now, we're also working with NASCAR, where the optics towards African Americans isn't very good. So if this noose had been in that garage for as long as they say it is, and like you said, all these people walked by this shit, not one person sat there and said, guys, this isn't a good look. Because we have a black man in NASCAR for one, and considering the civil unrest that we've had in this country, maybe... We should make a garage door pull not shaped like a noose. How fucking difficult is this? Because, like I said, I've seen garage pulls when your garage door breaks. They don't have to be shaped like that. Because when you look at this noose, the way that it's knotted up is to carry excessive weight. It's not to carry, like, lightweight. When you pull a garage door, you're using your strength to pull the garage door. You're not putting a weight on this noose to bring the garage door up. You're pulling it. That's what a garage pull means. So whoever designed this, whoever was sitting in there, I guarantee you somebody sitting there was like, oh, I made a fucking noose. 
That's how this shit went. Because if it wasn't targeted towards somebody, there was somebody with just really bad optics and somebody with a really bad uh, sense of humor that did this and let it fly. I, I'm not buying any of this shit when they try to say Bubba overreacted. Look, man, if, if I'm, you know, I work in Zone and somebody was like, yo, such and such spray painted N-word in, in your office, right? And I walk in, and like, I'm immediately going to go, yo, what? I, I'm supposed to overreact because that's the way it is. And then I walk in there and they go, oh, man, that N-word's been there for a year and a half. You know what I'm going to ask? Why the fuck has that been here for a year and a half and nobody took it out? <laughs> that's the biggest thing. I feel like that's completely ignored in this. How, do, how did everyone walk into this garage for a year and a half and say, you know what? Fuck it. There's a noose there. No problem. Uh, dude, I'm blown away. And look, you know, I'm cursing a lot. And I'm sorry. And I've had a few people hit me up. was like, you, you guys, sometimes you curse a lot. I'm sorry. I'm passionate about this shit. So that's just the way it is. Um... This is the only place where I can curse. So this is where I'm going to curse. I love all you people for listening, but I can't curse at any other medium. I can't write it. I can't do it on (laughs) normal radio shows. This is where I'm going to curse. So, and I'm all, like I said, I'm very passionate about this. And I haven't really tweeted about this whole lot because I've been busy trying to spend time with my family and trying to not get all upset about what's going on in the world. Like I've tried to not watch CNN all day and read the news and like this Elijah McClain thing that just came up. I was like, I'm trying to stay away from a lot of this stuff. Not completely stay away, but not engulf myself in it. But for this, when I watch certain groups of white people celebrate and then it's like, oh, that's like Jesse Smollett. First of all, I'm sure you don't even know who Jesse is. Second of all, like, come on, dog. You can't celebrate one win. Like, if your team goes 1-15 for the season, you're still fucking lost. <laughs> but this is just crazy because when I saw the noose, that's what drew my ire. Because I'm like, yo, that is a noose. I know what a noose looks like. A garage pull, this is not. And again, you can't trust the FBI. The history of the FBI is another power structure that African Americans just can't trust. So I can't look at them to say, just like the justice system, I can't look at them and say, oh yeah, they're going to be on our side. They're going to deem something as racist because that's counterproductive to what they stand for. So come on, man. Y'all, like, y'all, I'm sure there might be some people listening to the show that's going to jump into my mentions and be like, no, but, but, no. No, 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 I'm not going to allow you to have this. You can't celebrate this. You deserve to get punched in the face if you are celebrating this. There's nothing to celebrate. Just say, oh, okay. I've seen, look, I saw people coming for Jamel Hill, something serious. And it made me say, well, damn, you, your mask is slipping. Your racist mask is slipping because you're really going hard for something like this. That's wild. That's wild. You, If you want to chalk it up to a misunderstanding, that's cool. If that's what you want to do, that's cool. I, I'm not with you in that boat. But I, I can see where you can say, well, maybe it was a misunderstanding. You know, things happen, and yeah, it wasn't meant to be racist towards Bubba. Oh, okay, I don't buy it. But what, if you're sitting there going, yeah, I told you, yeah, we got a fucking problem. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. Like, you shouldn't celebrate the fact that something wasn't racist. <laughs> like, if that's a win for you, you probably should reevaluate your life. That's like saying... Like, it just it doesn't work like that in any other facet of life. You do not celebrate something like that. You say, oh, okay. And even then, 
That was a damn noose. Like, I, I looked at it, and it was like, come on, man. It's a noose. It's ridiculous. There's no reason to have a noose right there. <laughs> There's no, no functioning reason to have that noose. You know what it's like? It's like if I go into the garage, and there's a garage pool shaped like a dick, and I'm like, oh, man, that's... Com- <laughs> I can't... No, it's a fucking dick, man. Like, that, it, it is a penis shaped garage shape over there. Like, you can't lie and tell me that's something else. Well, it's a garage pool. Somebody should have looked at that penis and said, that's not a good idea. Yeah. This is the same thing. They'll be like, hey, do you understand? We're trying to close our garage door, and you got us here tugging dick. It's probably not the best thing to do. I, I get, like, man. It, it serves no purpose. No, no purpose. And then... If this was there for a year and a half, right? The people, the grounds crew, the people who are at Talladega all the time, they should know that there's a noose in said garage. And don't put the black man in that garage. There's just a multitude of failures here. You might be like, yo, our garage pull in that one kind of looks like a fucking noose. But we're not going to replace it. It's a good garage pull. But out of the sensitivity of it all, I mean, Black Lives Matter has been everywhere. Let's make sure Bubba doesn't get that specific garage. Right? Like, at the least, at the (laughs) least, for a year and a half, the grounds crew has seen that news. Just, yo, you know what? Probably shouldn't put that guy in there. Like, it's ridiculous. Uh, that last question on NASCAR before we get into combat sports is, do you really think NASCAR can fundamentally change? Mm. Not the sport, the culture. Because I, I believe they want to change their sport. I'm going to give the sport the benefit of the doubt because they've shown that, even if it's super recency bias, they've shown they wanted to change. When I covered NASCAR, I told you, I was like, yo, I parked by this dumb big Confederate flag. I was in a group chat. I was laughing about it. I came back. There was 18 of them. I was like, damn, I picked the wrong landmark. I should have picked, you know, the one American flag. I could have found that easier. So to eliminate that is is definitely a step in the right direction. But as we've seen, the person flew the flag, uh, defund NASCAR over the stadium. People... I believe did donuts like with the flags on the back of the car. I don't even know how you get in there, but whatever. Before the race has started, there's a culture that is, I don't know if being attacked is the right way to phrase this, but people feel as though they're losing quote unquote their culture. Do you think that's something that can actually change in the sport like NASCAR, which to me at some level is inherently this is for us and not for y'all. I mean, so there's a couple of ways to look at this. One, ask me this question again next year. Because everything, it's hot right now. So everybody's like pledging change. And not to veer too far off subject, but I've seen all these places pledge, we're going to give $100 million to Black Lives Matter. Uh, they, they, they haven't even specified. They just kind of said that they're, give, they're donating money to a cause, right? Never specifying the cause never specifying really anything right so it sounds good on its face just like this nascar thing but let me see where this money's going in a year let me see where this this energy is at in a year because when it's not cool anymore and nobody's looking that's when you tell who how true people are 
So golf is still golf, right? Like it may not be the the collard greens and fried chicken joke that Tiger Woods had to deal with with his cablation ass. But <laughs> it may not be that. It may not be as overt moving forward because the Confederate flags are not going to be pulled, so that's not as overt, but it still exists. It's still Something. I mean, it's, it's just like what, what Ryan Reeves deals with in the NHL. The NHL hasn't necessarily changed. He's just kind of infiltrated the system. Like, a few black hockey players have existed, but it's not like it has completely changed the culture of the NHL. I will say that they've gotten more progressive. The Golden Knights, especially out here in Vegas, have been very progressive. But, like, at its core, because what you have to change is not the athletes. You have to change the fans. And changing the fans is really hard mm. to do. Like, since this is a combat sports podcast, look at the wonderful world of MMA, where there yeah. are people from all over the globe competing in combat sports, where the best pound-for-pound pound fighter is a black man. Arguably the greatest heavyweight of all time is also a black man. The welterweight champion is a black man. But, like, the scariest fighter in MMA is a black man. But we still go to fights, and the, the fans are predominantly white, and mm-hmm. still say some crazy shit to you know black fighters, Mexican fighters. They get mad when they see Cain Velasquez's brown pride. So you got to change the mentality of the fans. So until black people start showing up to NASCAR, and it'd be I don't know what happens then. <laughs> like if a bunch of black people show up. And there's, you know, these people that are still, they're mad because they can't have their Confederate flag. So they see a bunch of black people. I don't know how this turns out. But that has to change. That's the main, that's the key thing that has to change is the fans and how people look at it. And I don't necessarily see that happen. But again, ask me this question next year. Because I need to see how they, what they're going to do to have more diversity in NASCAR and inclusion. No, yeah, I, I agree. It's going to take some time to see that and... I won't hold my breath for changing the fans. No. Because that seems to be a gathering place for a certain type of fan. So we'll see. We'll see if they're willing to say, I'm so pro-racism that I will stop watching this sport that I love. And that's what it comes down to. Are you that pro-racism? that you will stop watching a sport that you loved, your father loved, your grandfather loved. Because if that's the case, then you loved it because of the racism and not because of the competition. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, Let's take our quick break now. When we come back, we have to talk about combat sports, which we're going to kick off talking about more Black Lives Matter, Tyson Fury, and his comments on Anthony Joshua. Then we'll get into the top rank in COVID, followed by... UFC and Dana White. So you guys will be right back. Stay right there. Let's pay the bills. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. 
So looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, just that fast, we are back. weren't gone for long, and Dre, we got to dive right back into to the world of weird and let's say shady comments, kinda. Um, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, obviously they're building towards a fight, and it's going to be a huge fight in the world of heavyweight boxing. Probably, even though Wilder Fury was big, I would say this would be bigger by the time they end up fighting. So, but to have an undisputed heavyweight champion, hopefully by that point, and you ask this question to Fury before, and he took offense to it. You know what role does Ray, what Ray's play? With Anthony Joshua, I don't know how you get away from that, especially due to his recent comments. Listen, man. I got called every name under the sun when I asked Deontay Wilder what it meant for him to possibly make history during Black History Month. And Tyson Fury's insecurities jumped right out because he felt like he had to say something. It's not black versus white. Shut the fuck up. I gave him the benefit of the doubt a little bit because that clown Jason Whitlock kind of baited him on uh, Speak for Yourself <laughs> a little bit before that press conference ha- happened. So maybe he was ultra sensitive at the time. But the fact remains that Tyson Fury has been homophobic, misogynist, and racist. This is not anything new. A lot of new people are getting into the world of Tyson Fury, but the tiger doesn't change his stripes. He is who he is. So when I asked that question... I didn't ask it to slight Tyson Fury. I asked it as a black man that saw that it was Black History Month and people blew that shit way out of proportion. But now, the chickens come home to roost. Anthony Joshua shows up in his home country, in his hometown, to speak at a Black Lives Matter rally. Says something to the effect of support black businesses, right? Stop giving your money to these other companies. Support black businesses. And Tyson Fury called it bullshit said and then went on a rant just trashing anthony joshua's stance on black lives matters and he said it couldn't be me because i've dealt with racism my whole life now when he said that it took me back to the reason why deontay wilder had his interview with radio raheem and the till this day (laughs) meme came out if anybody if anybody remembers the premise of this it was because Wilder and Fury were arguing on stage about the suffering of African Americans and Fury felt like he had to interject to talk about how much suffering the gypsies have dealt with. And here's my problem with this. Nobody's ever said the gypsies have not dealt with racism or discrimination. But if, if you feel the need to always interject your all lives matter bullshit, you have the problem. Because this wasn't about you, dog. It wasn't. Anthony Joshua speaking at a Black Lives Matter rally had nothing to do with you. But now you want to say that you've dealt with more racism or just the fair shit. You, I'm not saying the gypsies haven't, but you, and you look at the news in our country because you love Vegas now because this is where you want to fight. And you see everything that's going on in the world. And you can't give that man a pass for speaking? You have to jump on this shit? Really? I don't know, dog. Maybe the issue is you 
Maybe it's not mm-hmm. Anthony Joshua or me asking Deontay Wilder about Black History Month. Maybe it's you. Maybe you don't really like. And then he had to go out of way like I have a diverse roof. Yes, you have a diverse training camp, right? You work with Sugar Hill, great. But like I said, when I did my the, the piece with the New Day, the podcast with the New Day, those are what you call the good blacks in your camp. Hey, he's not like the other ones. He's a good black. No, mm-hmm. he's just black because a lot of us are good ones. So don't give me your bullshit about diversity and all that crap. The moment that you felt like you needed to come out your neck to say something about Anthony Joshua speaking at a Black Lives Matter rally, you showed your stripes, bro. So, yeah, man. The fight will be bigger because, look, you know, we have no idea where this fight will end up. But I guarantee you guys I'm going to be talking with Anthony Joshua before that fight happens. Way before it, too. And you think I'm not going to address this shit? I'm not. Look. I know we're not supposed to pick sides, but just like the Colby Covington, Kamara Usman fight, my blackness comes before anything else. And if you threaten my blackness, I'm going to come for you. So I need to see if Anthony Joshua's on that same wave. I'm curious. Still think Tyson Fury is an amazing fighter. I don't think there's any, I, I won't take anything away from him in that regard, but you done fucked up, bro. <laughs> yeah, like, the comment and the sensitivity at this point are very unnecessary right like no one's no one was attacking him no one was bringing that up about anthony joshua to say anything negative about the gypsies about racism anything like he jumps on it so fast it just makes you think like really and then you know there's this comments in the past on homosexuality and everything else it's just i'm not sure he's not reading the room as a major heavyweight boxer now like if you want to be the face of this sport really this is this is what you're jumping on why why jump to put someone down it it makes no sense to me and it's not the way to make fans it's a way to alienate fans so i it's going to be an interesting build-up because you can't you can no longer avoid the race aspect. No. You can't. Like, in just in our culture, how it is now in general. I mean, even the Wilder fight, the trilogy fight, no way he gets through that whole, the, the whole fight week by avoiding the race question. No, because I'm bringing no that way. shit up. I can't wait. Oh, boy. I, <laughs> I no, cannot no wait. I can't. I'm telling you guys. <laughs> When I yeah, say I can't wait, pass Andreas the mic. No, like they're gonna have to keep the mic away from me because there's no way. Because I'm going to talk to both of them when that fight happens. There's no way I'm not addressing this. There's no way. There's no way. And there's two things that can happen because I'm gonna ask Deontay and I'm gonna ask Tyson. And there's two things that can happen. Either Tyson Fury can say, "You know what? I said what I said out of bad taste," or he can get upset. If he gets upset makes him look really bad my money is on him getting upset because when you said he loses lost fans and stuff like that i don't even think tyson fury was thinking like that when he said those comments that's just how he feels like his homosexuality comments that's just how he feels there was nothing calculated like conor mcgregor and floyd mayweather when they went back and forth that was like song and dance this was casual conversation on an interview and tyson fury was asked and called it bullshit like uh, again 
Nah, man. I I can't wait. Where's the Joe Budden meme right now? I need it. <laughs> I've been waiting, man. Look, as much shit, dog, as much shit as I got from that simple ass question to Deontay Wilder, I cannot wait because I'm because I dog, I'm coming. I'm showing up with a shit-eating grin. I'm gonna have the biggest smile on my face, and Kel, you know, like I got more than enough. Uh, like I might wear my "We March Y'all Mad" T-shirt, asking Tyson Fury this goddamn <laughs> question. I dog, I don't play with this. I can't wait. I chickens coming home to roost, man. Chickens coming home to roost. That's what you get. Yeah, and you you can't avoid it anymore. That was the biggest thing. I felt like people wanted to avoid the topic before when you had asked it. Yeah. Right. It was like yo. You can ask this in your private interviews on the zone, or if you want to ask one on one. It's the fact that you asked this in a public forum and made people uncomfortable, and they wanted to avoid the topic. Which is ridiculous, because again, I never asked a question that was sliding anybody. I said about making Black History during Black History Month. What the fuck? Again, if you ask Canelo the same question, hey Canelo, how's it feel being a four division world champion on Cinco de Mayo? Would everybody go, oh, my God, I cannot believe he asked that question. No. But me, being a black man and asking another black man that question, I got all kinds of, somebody said, I want to stab him. Somebody sent me something like that. said, I want to stab him. Word? (laughs) Y'all serious? Like, this was what pisses y'all off? And the best part is, a lot of y'all that was upset, y'all don't know me. This wasn't me at 10. This was me at, like, 1. This was scratching the surface. See me now. I'm so ready. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a whole different dynamic, man. But again, it's something that has to be brought up. So we'll see how that's handled. It's it's going to be interesting. Tyson can't run from the topic much longer. Um, let's talk about something that's going on currently in boxing, like right now, this moment. And that is top rank holding cards. Keeping me busy. Three fights. Uh, for the past two weeks, then we'll go to two fights a week. After that, for the rest of, well, I guess for the next month, we don't know about August yet, how many fights per week when all sports comes back. But one of the things we've seen a lot with Top Rank is even though, yes, as a company, they're back, they're promoting these fights, they beat every other fight um, promotion back pretty much, except for a couple in Mexico, I believe. But we've seen these cards change and change rapidly due to positive tests, coronavirus. So they've lost uh, the first main co-main on the Shakur Stevenson fight. That was lost to the coronavirus. We see the fight with Jamal Herring. They're supposed to come up next week, get postponed till the 16th, I believe, because he tested positive for COVID. And it's cringeworthy now to go back and see the videos he posted of him, Terrence Crawford, and the rest of the camp just chilling constantly no mask no nothing on and not social distancing or anything and to see that he had it he tested positive um and just how fast it could spread that is scary as well so just looking into this i it's easy to say you know what top ranks problem they should have come back yet but i I think that's short-sighted i think this is something we're going to see in all sports We've seen a little bit already in baseball, just going to training camps, where this shit spreads like wildfire. I I don't think this is, by the time it's all said and done, going to be just a top-ranked problem. I think we're going to see these changes. We're going to see 
you know, player, one man down, next man up in other sports. Because it's so hard to say we're going to be in a bubble and no one's going to catch this. No, I totally, I, I totally agree. I, I'll say this. There have been spikes across the country, especially here in Vegas. This is crazy. Like, nobody gives a fuck. Everybody's like running around maskless and just jumping on each other. Um, Sisolak has said, oh, look, man, you guys got to wear masks. Okay. But here's the issue. Nobody cares right now. Like, they, they'll, like you said, they'll be like next man up. Because what if you guys have had at top rank have had four fights taken off because of COVID, right? Is yep. it four? We're at four now. Okay. And I think this is going to be a common thing until people start dying again. That is the one outlier that will change everything. If people start dying again and the, the hospitals start filling up with tons of people, because I think there is some truth to it. Not Trump's truth. Trump's truth was ridiculous. Stop testing. No. <laughs> there Stop is some, testing. Yeah. There is some truth that, yes, because tests are more readily available, more people are going to test positive. That's that's really simple because a lot more people have it. I mean, a lot of people are asymptomatic. So a lot of people can have it. But now that there's more testing, like my mother-in-law was just driving around the other day. She's like, oh, I'm going to stop and get tested. Like it was getting a burger from Wendy's. But that's what she went and did. Right. And then she was like, oh, I got to quarantine for a week. So we didn't see her for a week. But so that it tested tomorrow. It, it, it's just kind of what's happening. I don't think anything's going to change in, unless people start dying because then, then things will start shutting down again. If we start seeing the ICUs filled up, if, if you know, it's not even people start dying if the right person dies. If, like, God forbid, like Charlie Blackman from the Colorado Rockies who just said that he tested positive, if he died, mm-hmm. everybody freak out because Charlie Blackman's still young. But right now it only threatens, like, old people and black people. But if it threatens a young white man, oh boy, everything's going to change. So, but until then, I think it's, you know, it's kind of business as usual because there is no cure. So you have to pull these fighters and these athletes and say, you know what? You got it. Quarantine. It's, Major League Baseball is crazy because they're actually traveling. Like NBA and is going to be in a bubble. I don't know what the hell the NFL is going to do because they jump on. Their job is to jump on each other. <laughs> so I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> There, there is no social distancing. There. No, it's impossible. Like, it's not even a possibility. Like the offensive line is cooked. If one person has it, the offensive line, the defense, everybody's done. But your bench better be very deep. Shit, they're all gonna have it. They share a locker room. There's no social distancing in a locker room. No, you just gotta roll the dice and hope that you know they catch it in a rolling sense. So like this guy catches it, he's gone for ten days, he comes back, and then oh, our backup center caught it. And then now he's out. Yeah, so it's like with boxing. When we when I see it, I'm like, man, this sucks. You know, like people they have and they have to be pulled. Just you know, it's precautionary because it's not. Again, it's not really about you being as asymptomatic. It's you giving it to somebody else, and them not being asymptomatic. Um, you know, like I've my cousin just lost his father and his best friend, and my cousin's 44, and so I think his best friend was like 44, and he died. And his father died was like 62, 63, both black. Um, and like my wife's cousin's husband was like 41 and he just kind of his all of his organs failed. and He died. So it's like it happens. People do die. 
Um, it's not as much as we would think when it first happened. Everybody freaked out because it was the great unknown. But now we know that some people can just live with it and be totally fine. D.L. Hewley just fucking yep. passed out, right? But he didn't <laughs> die. If D.L. Hewley no. died, it would have changed everything. So with these top-ranked cards, because it's just a fighter, it's kind of easy. It's like, oh, psh, next man up. It'll be really interesting to see how baseball handles this. Because let's just say your starting pitcher gets it, two of your, your closer gets it, and, like, two of your relievers have it, and your rosters are what? I think they start off at 30 this season, I believe. 30. Yeah. Yep. 30-man rosters. And let's just say, like, 15 people get it. You're going to be canceling games. And your little 60-game yeah. season that y'all been talking about is in trouble. Boxing is different. You can cancel one fight, you just bring another fight up. Because they, they work in more or less isolation. This is mano y mano, or woman against woman. It's one person against one person. Team sports, it's going to be crazy. NBA might be all right with the bubble. But I think baseball, woo, that's going to be interesting. They're tra- down to traveling. 60 games, they're traveling. You got to be private jetted out. And they're not. Like, at the clear port. Like, you can't go to a major airport. It's like... You can't... You, you got to have charter bus. You got to go from private plane to charter bus to your hotel. It, it, but it's so difficult because it's like, man, like, I give props to somebody like Avery Bradley. He was like, I'm not playing. You know, I got kids. I'm not risking this shit. It ain't worth it. I got money. Lakers don't really need me like that. Go get J.R. Smith. You'll be fine. You can Exactly. Look. So, I like, guys... People that are like, I get it. It's like, dude, you know how impossible this is? Because it's not just me I have to pay attention to. It's like me, you, my coach, teammates, who are they being around? Like, I mean, come on, man. There's hoes everywhere. I'm talking about male and female. You think these guys are just going to sit around and not do nothing with nobody? They're not going to party? They're not going to drink? They're not going to do nothing? I've never seen, like, listen, I've been in sports for a long time and music and entertainment. There's, look. All in part because people are like, those party stories are overly exaggerated. No, the hell they're not. And people are going to be around because there's just no way you're going to play a 60-game season or whatever's left of this NBA season, even though they're going to really try to. Somebody's going to sneak out and do some shit and put everybody at risk. It's inevitable. Oh, easy. It's, somebody's leaving the bubble and then coming back with some shit. Yeah, it's, it's inevitable. Somebody's going to get it. So... Boxing, like, there's some people like, man, you shouldn't start boxing. Look, this is just something we're going to have to deal with. This is the new normal. People are going to get it. And they're going to have to cancel fight and postpone fight. It's going to be tough if they start letting fans back in. And you find out, like, oh, man, look forward to this Terrence Crawford Manny Pacquiao fight. And you find out both of them have, and they pull them both off the card. Then what? But I mean, listen, we got to – we just found out about the widespread nature of it in pro wrestling. Yeah. With, with fans in attendance, family and friends – is what they said. Like, why? That seemed very unnecessary. Dude, they don't take it serious <sighs> until people start dying. It has to, again, has to be the right people. Hasn't been the right people dying. Old people, now you just say because they're old. And there's enough asymptomatic cases where you go, ah, well, it's cool. We can still push forward doing this. If the wrong, if, yeah. if the, if, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm just going to say it. If, if, if the right white person dies, it's a wrap. It changes everything. Maybe, I mean, oh, yeah. maybe a black person too if they're like a star. But this thing hasn't really threatened white people and old people. Well, it hasn't threatened white people as much as it really has threatened minorities and old people. So, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, next up is the world of UFC and Dana White. 
Let's start off with this Fight Island fluff promo. <laughs> That's what it is, right? Like, I'm just dead ass serious. Like, uh. just you gotta call a spade a spade. Like, it was a fluff promo. Patting Dana White on the back for coming back against the best wishes of every known doctor, you know, expert. Any anyone who knows something above what they read on Facebook about the coronavirus said, you know what, probably shouldn't be doing this. And Dana said, "Fuck that." So now he's patting himself on the back. He got out uh, Dubai to build him an island, and they've had pretty good luck with the COVID and not spreading it, to our knowledge. So this patted Dana White on the back, all while showing off the fancy new island that they will fight at for the next month. I think we're reaching a new a new zenith for Dana White and his ego. A <laughs> new zenith. <laughs> right? Like he's yeah. he's fucking pushing the barrier. Once you think he reached a glass ceiling, he breaks through that shit and goes to a whole nother level. Dude. I think that's where we are now. I, I think honest to God, he believes that he is bigger than any fighter on his roster and people tune in because of him. Oh boy. Um yeah, that that fight island piece. It was it was uh it encapsulated everything that I've said about the UFC and what the UFC is. Starts off with Dana White. Not a fighter. Dana White. Not Usman. Dana White. I brought fighting back. Me 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 me. Next thing is the brand the UFC. Those three letters mean more than any fighter. Then they start talking about the fights. Oh, well, you know, while you're here, you can watch these guys fight. Like, dude, listen, I've, you know, and somebody was like, it's no difference from Vince McMahon, right? Wrong. Here's why. Vince McMahon took some bumps for his company. Stone Cold beat his ass. He got it. Vince McMahon, like, that's one thing I can always say about Vince McMahon. If, if, he won't ask somebody to do something that he wouldn't do. And Vince McMahon got his ass beat. I ain't seen Dana White in the octagon yet. So there's no reason why that promoter should be the star. And Vince McMahon begrudgingly became the star because of the whole Bret Hart situation. Which brought Mr. McMahon to life. And that was like character shit. It's not even a real sport. It's athleticism involved, but it's not, it's not the same as the UFC. So when Dana's out here like me, me, me. Give credit to these fighters. Pay them. <laughs> like, you're not doing that. Uh, and you're doing this thing on an island, which, yeah, okay, cool. But, yeah, you you did this because, like, if the fighters... Like, going back to boxing, Terrence Crawford said, I ain't fighting. I ain't taking no pay cut to fight. Because he's in position to do that. He's in a position to say, I've made enough money. I can sit here. I only fight, like, twice a year anyway. So I can sit here. Mm-hmm. MMA fighters, when they were like, hey, Dana, well, you want to fight? Hell yeah, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten. My ribs are touching. I gotta fight. You know what I'm saying? Like I gotta fight. Like they have no choice. I gotta no fight to eat. They do, and like we've seen, like I'll bring up Hannah Cyphers went 0 and 2 in a month. Lost to Mackenzie Dern and I forgot the other uh, girl. Oh my god, Luke reminds me of Joanna and Jay Chick. I forgot her name. But she fought twice, and she made probably, if I remember correctly, a total of twenty six thousand dollars for those two fights. Show that figure yeah, to, to a boxer, like a like not even not even a main event boxer, and somebody's been fighting on top rank this week. Like, 
they laugh at those figures. So Dana White is putting the company and himself above the fighters. And don't let him confuse you and say he's not. He is. That promo was it. That promo started off with Dana White. I'm bringing the UFC back. Ha, ha, ha. It's like, what? Then at the press conference, he starts shitting on Bob Arum. Chill out. What's wrong with you? Like, it's cool. I, I, I'll say this about Dana. I have always loved the fact that Dana White is passionate about fighting to the point where he does interviews and he's very candid about the fights he wants to see. I've always liked that about Dana White. But this, the ego part of it, where it's like, I brought, dude, it's not about you. Because if all them fighters walk, it's over. It's a wrap. Because you ain't fighting. You ain't fighting John Jones. You ain't fighting Jorge Masvidal. So you can talk all that shit that you want, all that cash shit that you want to. But them fighters leave, it's over. So if they unionize, you're really in trouble. If they do a collective bargaining agreement, if they figured out a way, which is not going to happen, if they figure out a way to unionize before you sign your next deal after you leave Reebok, it was funny because it, it was like Under Armour, Nike, and Venom. Hmm, I wonder who's the front runner there. Probably Venom. <laughs> but if they unionize and come to a collective bargaining agreement before... You sign this deal, you're in trouble. Not even in trouble. You just getting like your millions have shrank a little bit. Yep. And that's really all it is. But man, I watched that promo. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This was the most self masturbatory thing. It looked like what, what what's Kyle Marshall Stan that that meme of Stan. Uh, where Stan just <laughs> like jizzes all over himself in front of the computer. That's what it felt like watching the, oh, his the, dad. Yeah. Yeah, Kyle's dad. Kyle's dad. Yeah, like. I mean, yeah. Stan's dad, Randy, Randy Marsh. God damn, I watched South Park so much, I forgot their names. Randy Marsh is a meme of him in front of the computer, and it's like <laughs> semen everywhere. That's what I felt like watching that promo. Like, like Dana was watching that and was like, oh my God, this is this is excellent, and just jizzed all over himself. But don't do that. That's not what the UFC is about. Cut it out. It needs to be about the fighters again. I don't know when that's going to And at, at a point when... You know, I'd say 20, what, 2005 to 2010, it was probably like its height where it was about the fighters. They had actual stars. They pushed the stars, and Dana was around. You know, a little more than a Fertitas, but he was just around. Now, he thinks he can carry it. And honestly, this is probably the most leverage the fighters are going to get. They need to produce a certain amount of content for their partnership with ESPN. They need the eyes on them while no other sports are around. If everyone takes a stand and say, we are all not fighting, we are standing together, we are unionizing, he can't bring in scabs. He can't, and he has pay-per-views to fill. The fighters have that corporation, that league, by its balls, and they just don't realize it. No, dude, it's always what they what they say is like you have more power than you think. Those fighters have a lot more power. It it sucks because you've been underpaid for so long that missing that paycheck really hurts. But it's just like, dude, we haven't talked about this today, and we're not going to get into it too much. But all those stories coming about about like uh, music journalism, how shitty they treated women and black, like those are a lot of people that I know that were getting. We're underpaid. talking about it on Sunday because we got to talk about that and pro wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, that's going to be a show, so, guys. Yep. Um, <laughs> but when I saw all those stories coming out, I because I those some of those are my friends. Some of those are my friends that I worked with for a long time that I've watched them get did dirty. 
my company, Hip Hop DX, came up, and I was like, "Yep, that happened." Because I, like, I know, I know how underpaid some of these people were, and I know how how much I fought to get them paid. There's nobody that I've ever worked with, I, I don't think. So I'm sure there's somebody out there. But Kelly, you even worked with me I, when we worked at Champions. I'm always mm. pushing to get my people paid. Always. Yeah. Cause it doesn't fucking hurt me. <laughs> like I don't get a bonus. <laughs> Like I, I, maybe there's some like Michael Scott in the office, like the one season where he had to fire somebody to get that bonus. If anybody remembers what I'm talking about, there may be that, but for me, it's never been that, and it's never been my money. So I'm cool spending other people's money to keep people happy to do their job. People mm-hmm. should get paid what they deserve, and it doesn't really happen. And in MMA, the unfortunate part is, just like a lot of these music writers that were complaining, it's not like you can quit because you still got to pay rent, or you still got to pay your car note, or you still got to pay to eat. So you can't just quit because it's not that because it's always going to be somebody that's going to take less than you. That's the fucked up part. It may not be as good yeah. as you, but it's always going to be somebody that takes less than you. And that's the same thing in the UFC. If Masvidal's not fighting for the title because he feels like he's worth more, they get Gilbert Burns. He's going to take a lot less, and he's going to say, "I don't care." One day he'll care, but it'll be too late because he'll probably lose a stockle job. Nobody cares. But up until that point, there's always going to be somebody that's going to want to take your place. Because they feel like if they become champion, they make championship money. But then again, they don't. Ask Demetrius Johnson how much, how many millions he made fighting. Uh, not many. Yeah. But Eddie Alvarez is probably the worst case scenario I've seen by that. Oh, that was egregious. Where they were like, don't. He's like, I don't have to renegotiate before this Conor fight. I'm fine. I'll fight for my current deal. Loses and then is out of the promotion a year after. It's, it's crazy, but that's why it's like with the fighters... I don't know what MMA fighters listen to this podcast. I heard that there's a few. But if any of you guys are out there, and like, I'm not telling you what to do because it's really hard because I'm not in your shoes and I don't know your financial situation. But if you can find a way to not fight and unionize, like, I think the key here, more than anything else, is fucking go find John Jones right now. Yeah. Get him. That is the biggest name that is threatening to hold out. He just said in an interview today or yesterday, I'm... I'll sit out for two years. Whether he'll do it or not doesn't matter. The fact that he's willing to stand on that is the reason why you need to right now go find John Jones, figure out a way to unionize, and do it and try to do it before they, they sign this next deal. Because you do not want to get cut out again. Because that Reebok deal was bullshit. Everybody no, I completely, completely agree. This is the time. Strike while the iron's hot. If not, you're going to miss your window. And you're going to wait a long time to get get another one where you have this opportunity like yes i understand you're missing paychecks i don't count people's money a lot of people are missing paychecks a lot of people are laid off you know if, if you got to take a stand there's nothing else to pay attention to in sports you unionized you refuse to fight you are taking all the headlines with you there's no nfl game there's no college football game coming to take your headlines it's not a one day and done thing they all said we're not fighting on Fight Island come two weeks. We're all taking a stand. It'll be headlines every day until that fight card. It's just the truth. So it, it's a narrow window. But if they wanted to, this is their window. Um, it's not happening this weekend because we have a fight. UFC uh, Vegas, which was supposed to be UFC Fight Night Austin. But it's UFC Vegas 3, I believe. 3 or 4. Um... The card is a little light. Lost Aspen Lad versus Sarah McMahon along the way. But I would say it's very co-main, main event heavy. 
Yeah, this main event. I mean, we got Volante versus Maurice Green, but there should be good fights. Dude. It's just nothing that jumps off the page. The main event is a banger. The co-main is going to be wild. Before we get to the main, Mike Perry is being cornered by his girlfriend and his girlfriend alone. He posted a picture last week with cuts and scrapes all over his face and busted up knuckles. I don't know. And yes, for the record, he still says the N-word whenever he wants. Because yeah, he's 0.6% black, but ain't say shit about Black Lives Matter. No, nobody asked me to. Nobody's asked me to interview Mike Perry. Like I'm not even. I haven't even been solicited. And I like at public settings, like media day. I, I purposely avoid it because I'm like, dude, do I really want to not come to any more UFC events? Because that's what's gonna happen. I think we can get him on the podcast. No. <laughs> no. I think we could. See, there's a part of me that wants to do this in person. Okay, hit up Dave. <laughs> There's a part of me that really wants to do this in person. Because I want him to see me. I ain't just a voice. You can't hang up on me. I, but I just need the UFC <laughs> to understand, like, this could escalate. Because I, I'm not going to take my foot off the gas with this dude. So, yeah, yeah. He's fighting Mickey Gall this week in the, in the co-main event. Sucks because I think Mike Perry's going to beat him. But, uh, man. Oh, I think Mickey Gall beats him. I hope my, I- my goal for this is that it goes to the second round because I want to hear what his girlfriend says in the corner between rounds. <laughs> but I, just, I fear that Mickey Gall taps his ass in the first. Yeah. Mickey's striking isn't good enough to keep up with Mike. Mike's got pretty good striking. Mickey will have yeah, to get, it on, Mike, get him on his back. Yes. Quick. I, I feel like Mike will do some stupid shit. Mickey will take him to the ground, and then it's a whole different world. Yeah. Like... Yeah, I mean, he's the story of this fight on Fort. I mean, for me, like, all I've been thinking about is Poirier versus Hooker, because that's a hell of a fight. Like, that's violence, everything. It could end really quick, or it could be three rounds, like, or five rounds of sheer violence. But this Mike Perry, Mickey Gall fight, it's just, it's just my, I just want to see Mike Perry get knocked out. Again, this is my blackness coming out. You just don't run around saying the <laughs> N word and then be like, oh, man, just leave me alone. I'm not with the protest. Oh, you want to, okay. You just like I, dog. I wish somebody like Tyron Woodley would be like, "I'll fight you." And beat the shit out. Oh, of him. that'd be amazing. Like he's never gonna get a shot at Usman for the culture. Yeah, just beat his ass for the culture. But Tyron Woodley right. said, eh, "You know, it's it's not a big big deal." I said, "What?" <laughs> like, <laughs> like that man we talked about it on the show before. Like, just because you give your man a hood pass. Don't mean that other black folks are going to do the same thing. Nope. And please, do not let your friends be out here catching ass whoopings. Yeah, if that's your boy. That's all it. Like, if you're a good friend, don't do it. Because they might walk around catching ass whoopings. For real. So you, you got to let them know. You got to really play that line very close. So who, who uh, are you picking in the main, in the main event? Main event, I'm going to take Dan Hooker just because I believe he'll win this. I don't think it's his time to lose yet. Poirier, I've still been up and down to Poirier. He's more, you know, he's really good at this weight class. Yes, he has a win over um, Justin Gaethje in that back and forth battle, but to me, he still has certain flaws. They can, everyone loses to beat. Like I, I get it, but to me, I, I just don't know if Poirier has that next gear. So I can see him winning a decision. It's a toss-up fight. But I'm going to take Dan Hooker. Hooker hasn't lost since December 15, 2018. Knocked out by Barbosa. 
I think it was with some crazy ass kick or something. So that was his last loss. He has a win over Gilbert Burns, who's going for the title. Knocked out Gilbert Burns in the first round of a lightweight fight. So, I mean, the, the guy has names on the resume of people he has beaten. So, yeah, give me Hooker. Give me Dan Hooker to win this. Yeah, hey, I'm taking Poirier. And everything you said, I'm totally against. <laughs> like, Poirier has, by far, the better resume. By far. Well, it, Gilbert Burns. Dude. Like, he, Gilbert Burns Hooker at, has a win over Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns at lightweight and Gilbert Burns at welterweight. Dustin Poirier right. has Max Holloway, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, Anthony Pettis, and then he was, you know, he lost the counter at, at featherweight, uh, and he lost what was it, like his fifth fight or something when he lost to Michael Johnson. But yeah. for years, Dustin Poirier has been acknowledged as probably going to be a star at some point, and I think he's just really hit his stride. Look, look nobody beats Khabib. It's true, nobody beats him. So I don't count that as anything. So if you don't count that, and he had the no contest with Eddie Alvarez, that resi- Holloway, Alvarez, Gaethje, Pettis is better than anything Hooker's done. Because I thought Hooker lost to Paul Felder in his last fight. That split decision. That's when Paul Felder talked about retiring. Because he, th- I thought, yeah, that's true. That was a close fight. But here's the thing: I don't think that Poirier is going to wash him. I think Hooker's an excellent striker. I just think that Poirier has a lot of dimensions to his game, aside from the striking, which has gotten a lot crisper over the years. But he's got an amazing ground game. You can't do that against somebody like Khabib so people will forget about it. Like, But everybody else, they have a hard time dealing with Justin Gates. I mean, with uh, Dustin Poirier. They have a really hard time dealing with him on the ground. He's long. He's rangy. Uh, he's crafty off of his back. He's a pretty decent wrestler. I think he wins this fight, and he finds himself... In line, for whoever wins this fights Tony Ferguson. Probably, I mean, I don't know how bad Tony Ferguson's damaged. I, on to be honest, if Dustin Poirier wins, I'd like to see a rematch with Connor. Me too, and I think Connor starches him again. I don't know. I, I don't know. I like, I don't know who Connor is anymore. I can't take too much away from the Cowboy win. No, I, I think Connor is a guy who can beat. And stand and strike with the best of strikers. Yeah, but if he gets taken he, down, it's a different story. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Poirier has the specific set of skills to take him down. Mm. I don't. Maybe. I, I, but I'll say this. It's an intriguing fight. It's a very intriguing fight. And I think it's the way to go. But uh, but Poirier's got to first beat Dan Hooker. This fight should be a banger. Like, seriously. I'll, I'll give the UFC credit for this. They haven't really given us bad cards. There's been a lot of people who's like, I don't know who that is, and such, this, that, and the third. But they really haven't given us bad cards. They, they've given us pretty no. good shows. And this, the main event, is a, it's a hell of a fight. And yeah. Luis Pena, like, is on is on the prelims, and I always like watching Pena fight. Um, Violent Bob Ross? Yeah. I like watching <laughs> Violent Bob Ross fight. The GM Volante, Maurice Green fight, a heavyweight. I'm interested. So, this is it's a good card before they head to Fight Island. Yeah, the card's going to deliver. The names may not be there, but that's the past couple of cards. Where on paper you look, you're like, eh, but it's delivered. They've done really well with matchmaking. Yeah. So they've made the styles that'll make it exciting. Because a lot of people who should have gotten performance bonus haven't gotten it the past month 
because cards were just that crazy. Yeah, definitely. And that's due to the matchmaking. So this one should be another good one. Then we take a quick break, and then it's Fight Island time, uh, which means you got to see that promo a good another 10, 20 times in the next two weeks. So get ready for it. Uh, you guys get ready for the end of our show. We want to thank you for listening. As always, shout out to the sponsors. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. It's going to be a heavy show on Sunday. A lot going on in the world of pro wrestling and more in the speak out movement and finally getting some results because of that and because of these brave women are speaking out and men about some of the horrors in the pro wrestling industry as well as touching again on what's going on in the music industry and how women are being treated in all facets of entertainment and them coming out and really making their voices heard and again kudos during this climate that actual change is coming from this so we got to touch on all of that when we come back on sunday so make sure you guys listen to that episode as well but for now we're out peace for the one standing guard for the eagle-eyed for the knights in shining armor and for all those who support them we are granger your experienced safety partner offering supplies and solutions for every industry committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.